0: everyone would turn in their Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. That's our text this morning, Matthew chapter 10. Uh, when I uh, when I think about God this morning, uh, I had a pew f- filled with kids, kids I love and care about, and uh, just, just an amazing thing. I and uh, just think about who's here with us today and, and friendships and encouragement. Um, I'm just reminded that we are never as alone as we think we are, and we're never as far from God as we think we are. There are times in our life where we feel like maybe there's loneliness sets in, and we, uh, we just kind of forget who all's in our life and, and the people that care about us. Um, just was reminded this morning, God put it on my heart, you know, we're never as alone as we may think we are, and we're never as far from God as we think we are. We, we could spend years wandering from God, but God is still right there ready for us to turn to him. And My prayer today, and, and it's always for us, is that we would know that we are not alone and that God goes with us. And Matthew 10 is the start of this, forming this idea and planting this seed in the heart of Jesus's disciples, and that there would be uh, this deep sense that there is God with us every step of the way. In uh, the story of the Bible uh, this morning that we're going to look at is Jesus is first sending out his disciples, calling them to go into the world, and they're going to face many challenges. Uh, let's start with prayer, and we'll continue in our message. God, thank you for friendship. Thank you for people in our life who love us and care for us deeply. We thank you that you have uh, given us people in our life that are filled with your spirit uh, that just go with us along the way. Thank you for the blessing of life and hope and mercy and love that we have in your son Jesus. Thank you for the hope of the kingdom that is breaking into this world. and May this morning be an encouragement along this journey that we would know that we have life in you and we can share the hope of the kingdom. I love you, God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Jared, I'm getting some weird feedback. And my ADD is going to kill me. It's like there's somebody talking. It's like I hear myself a half second later back here. Thanks, buddy. All right, I have issues. I, now that I pointed it out, you all will hear it. And uh, maybe I maybe I maybe I just like hearing myself my own voice so much. That's probably it. Uh, I am pretty special. Um, <laughs> anyways, all right. Let's. Uh, before we get into chapter ten, we need to be in Matthew chapter nine, nine thirty-five. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest, into his harvest field. When Jesus looks at the crowd, we see his heart. And his heart is, is that the folks that he sees He sees them as harassed and helpless, sheep without a shepherd. When we look out at the world, when we look at those who are around us, it is kind of uh, in in the same capacity that Jesus looks at the world. I think our own hearts mourn for those who don't know Jesus the way we know him. You know how good God has been to you. You know of His grace and His mercy and His love. And you know that you have this shepherd who is leading you and caring for your soul. What would your life be without Jesus? You know, We're saying today of Jesus' love, of His grace, of His mercy being poured out for us. Think for a moment of your life without God and out without His goodness and what He's done for you. And our response then as we look to the world should be uh, looking to the world with compassion. Looking to the world with mercy and just knowing that what is missing in their life is a shepherd. What is missing in their life is Jesus leading them and caring for them. And so Jesus' prayer and encouragement for his disciples all those years ago is still being echoed today. Today. That as we look to the world, we know that there is a harvest that is ripe and ready. We need to be praying for there to be workers who are willing to go and share the good news. And so Jesus' message to his disciples, he says, Okay, guys, let's pray for them. And then in Matthew's putting things together, he says, Hey, you know, Jesus prayed that there would be people that would go out. And the very next chapter is about people going out, and sharing and proclaiming the good news and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing diseases. And, and so Jesus is setting them up and saying, hey, the workers are few, but I know I have a few of you right here. So let's go and proclaim this good news. Chapter 10, then, is Jesus equipping his disciples. He says then in uh, chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, and to heal every disease and sickness. We've been tracking Jesus' authority throughout all of this, haven't we? As we've looked at Jesus from the very beginning, we saw him as the appointed king who uh, who would go into Egypt and come out in sort of the reverse exodus, that this new community around King Jesus would be formed. And so we already start expecting that Jesus is the one with authority in heaven and on earth. We already are starting to get a sense of it. And then Jesus, he goes through the temptation. And the temptation was to sort of offset his authority and saying, Will he give worship and glory to the things of this world? Or will he trust in God and his kingdom and what's breaking in? Jesus then starts preaching in Matthew 4 that re, uh, repent for the kingdom of God is breaking in. And it says that he taught with authority and he announced and proclaimed the kingdom. And then Matthew 5, 6, and 7, when we saw in the Sermon on the Mount, at the end of the sermon, what did they say about his preaching? They said, man, that was so good, he taught with authority. He taught with authority, and unlike anyone else, but he had this authority. And then uh, in chapters 8 and 9, we saw, the in 5, 6, and 7, we saw Jesus speak with authority, and then we saw Jesus live his life by displaying his authority in the deeds that he did. And so caring for the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, and everything Jesus did, it was a display of his authority that God has given him. And now in this sort of amazing sort of thing that transpires, Jesus then looks to his disciples and he gives them authority. He says, guys, I'm sending you out to go and proclaim good news. I am giving you this authority to announce that there is something happening in the world that is going to flip it upside down. And I want you to know you can say it, and you can do it, you can teach it, you can proclaim it, and you can heal, and you can help, and you can cleanse. You know, I've been thinking about uh, Jesus, you know, for a long time, but uh, just something about Jesus and his character that has really resonated in my heart. And I just want to ask a question. Is Is there a sinner that Jesus rejects? In all of your reading of the Bible, have you ever come up with a scenario where Jesus looks at a person and says, Well, I'm, I'm sorry, you, I can't be around you right now. I've read it a few times, mostly skimmed it, but I haven't seen a time where Jesus ever pushes the sinner away. Only, only the sinner rejecting Jesus, never Jesus rejecting the sinner. And when I think about Jesus calling his disciples to pray for workers, to go out into the harvest field, when I think about Jesus equipping his, his disciples to go and proclaim good news, I see Jesus' heart of compassion that looks out to the crowd and says, Jesus, you know, Jesus loves them and cares deeply for them. Jesus is not pushing the sinners away. He's drawing them to himself. And he sends his disciples out to draw them near draw sinners to christ for their forgiveness and their love and so as we look at what jesus is doing he says then he calls them he calls his disciples these are the names of the 12 apostles first simon who's called peter and his brother andrew james son of zebedee and his brother john philip and bartholomew thomas and matthew the tax collector james son of Alphaeus; and thaddeus simon the zealot and judas iscariot who betrayed him these 12 jesus sent out with the following instructions Do not go among the Gentiles to enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So Jesus is sending his disciples out to proclaim this message that we've been hearing about all throughout Matthew, that the kingdom of God is breaking in. And he equips them, he empowers them, he gives them authority to go and do such things. The thing we get hung up on is why does Jesus just send it to the, uh, not to the Gentiles, but to Israel? When Jesus says, well, they're like sheep without a shepherd. He's looking at Israel and he's saying, they have wandered from the path. And my plans all along have been that we would reach Israel first, that they would know that God is breaking in, that the long-awaited Messiah, the long-awaited restoration of of God's kingdom, that living under the reign of God and God's will, it needs to break into this people first. And we know the rest of the story. We know how it finishes. We know the way the book of Acts reads, and they start with Israel, but it eventually lands in Gentile land. And people repent, people turn, and what happens is, is the fulfillment of Abraham's blessing that everyone would be blessed through the promise of God uh, given to Abraham. So Jesus is saying, start with Israel first. And he says, you know, the most practical advice, right? Don't go, do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey, or extra shirt, or sandals, or staff. For the worker is worth his keep. You know, sometimes we go up to Michigan and go and visit family. And we see how much of our house we can bring with us. You never know like how many articles of clothing, you know, you count out your underwear. It's like you, you do three days plus two. You know, you add. It's like you just never know what can happen, right? Um, you know, there's, and there's always a story behind why, how much extra underwear you pack. Yeah. <laughs> oh that was awesome that's the best moment ever i love it oh my gosh i was going down a really bad trail and dick like just he just kicked it over the edge thank you for that that was the most amazing moment ever i love it all right back on track so jesus is teaching his disciples to travel lightly to travel lightly. I, like, I don't like going anywhere in the wintertime without a shovel and uh, a little extra salt in the back. Uh, I'm always thinking about what can go wrong and trying to be... I'm not much of a Boy Scout, but I, I'm pretending to be, I guess. And always trying to be prepared. Yet Jesus is giving his disciples these instructions. To travel lightly. And it's so that the message doesn't get muddied by money. doesn't get... Uh, messed up from any sort of inferences that people can make. We have seen money alter the message of the gospel time and time again. We have seen uh, the sort of uh, greediness of uh, the church or church leaders or problems and all of those things that just sort of mess up the message. Jesus is sending his disciples out to travel lightly so that one, it is 100% evident that their strength, and their, uh, their strength and authority comes from God alone. Not from any worldly thing. God is encouraging his disciples to travel lightly so that their message would also be unadulterated by the things of the world. They believe their message, and the evidence of that is their complete and total trust in God. Because isn't that the message anyways? Isn't that the message that we've trusted in the kingdoms of the world far too much, but there's a new kingdom breaking in? And this new kingdom that's breaking in is worth everything and giving it all. And sometimes we spend so much time traveling heavily that we've forgotten what kingdom we trust in. I'm guilty of it. Take a trip down into my basement, I can't believe how much stuff I've collected. I know I'm the only one, right? It's like you have three kids, and now you have three times the stuff. And it's like, where did this come from? Amazon. But, uh, you know, as we try and navigate our life and trusting in the Lord, He is still inviting each and every one of us to travel lightly. You know, I was thinking about all of the apps and all of the things that we can have, and it sort of breeds this sort of discontentment. We never have enough. When everything is accessible, what we have is never enough. And what Jesus is doing with his disciples is show the world that I am enough. Show the world that the kingdom is your priority and not the things of this world. When the things of the earth own you, then they own the message and they own your heart. And Jesus is saying, lay it down. Pursue me and go and announce and proclaim and let people know that the gospel is freely given to you and freely give it to the world. Give uh, give them this blessing. So he says, do not give any gold or copper or extra shirt, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person. Stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give give it your greeting. If... The home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly, I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. You know, something that I've read this passage several times and something that really resonated with my heart today, and just preparing for this message is that there's no judgment in these folks. Jesus doesn't empower them to judge. Jesus empowers them to announce the message. And it's up to the people whether or not they will respond to it or not. Right? The emphasis is on them. You go, hang out at the house, and tell them about the kingdom, and if they're excited about it, booyah. If they're not, then it's time to move on. Don't beat yourself up. Don't condemn them. God will sort it out. That's what it's saying, right? God will sort out the judgment. It's our job to be the proclaimers of the truth. It's your job to say, Jesus is Lord and King, and His kingdom has come, and there is forgiveness for you, and there is love and grace and mercy for you today. There is healing. There is cleansing of sins. There is this welcoming into the family of God. And if you hear that, and you want it, then good for you, and let us go that way. And let us turn from sin, and let us turn from darkness, let us turn from the world, and embrace the kingdom of God, and join with us. But if you don't receive us, then let's go to Facebook and let's talk bad about them. Let's go to the coffee shop and say how bad they are and all the things that they've done. No, right? That's foolishness. But so much of the church's story has been about our judgment when our story needs to be about about the kingdom of God that is breaking into the world, of Jesus' goodness that is for the world. It's not saying, okay, we're fine with sin. No, we we know the brokenness of sin, right? We know the suffering of sin. We know the hardship that it brings. We know what it does to divide families. We know what it does to hurt our own lives and hurt our children. And we know the devastation of sin, but we want something better for the world, and so we proclaim it. We travel lightly so that our message would be clear. That this is not about us. It's about Him, and it's His praise and it's his glory this message today is not about shaming you into talking about jesus more this is about encouraging you to say you know sometimes you may not bat a thousand with your message right no one is quite as good as jesus when it comes to proclaiming the kingdom and even they rejected jesus but it's giving you grace today to know that there is a truth in your heart that you know about who Jesus is and how good he's been to you. And share it. Tell people about it. And if they reject you, well, they're rejecting you. Go cry on your pillow. And wipe the tears away and realize they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. They're rejecting his grace. And the reminder of this story is that you're never as alone as you think you are, and you're never as far from God as you think you are. And people need to know that. People need to know that Jesus is not too far away from them. Whatever life they've lived, whatever hardship they've had, however long they've wandered from God, has anyone ever been too far from God that he couldn't draw them back to him? How many times do do sinners get rejected by Jesus? How many times do sinners reject Jesus? So let's present him and let's tell the world about him because there is a whole group of people who are lost sheep without a shepherd. and this shepherd is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The shepherd is one who calls them uh, calls the sheep to him and blesses them and cares for them, nourishes their souls, even though they walk in the valley of darkness and death. He calls his sheep to himself and blesses them and cares for them. He says, then he kind of flips the script on the sheep thing. He says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. This is verse 16. Therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils. Be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings and... As witnesses to them and to the gentiles but when they arrest you do not worry about what to say or how to say it at that time you'll be given what to say for it will not be you speaking but the spirit of your father speaking through you we need to be a light in the darkness and it doesn't mean that we are innocent of the darkness but we are wise towards it we understand the brokenness of the world. We understand how the world has been working. We have an information about the world that the world doesn't really even understand about itself. That the kingdoms of this world will topple. That brokenness and sin is conquered. That the way forward is humility and grace and forgiveness. So Jesus calls his disciples to be innocent. That they would purify themselves, that they would seek forgiveness and grace, but they would also understand the brokenness of the world. That they would be wise in the way that they act towards outsiders. That they would have encouragement and power and strength to know that it's not them speaking, it's the Spirit of Christ working through them. You have that same Spirit in you, helping you. You may be sitting here thinking, Jordan, you're talking about sharing Jesus And I'm not sure that I can do that. And I guarantee you, you can. And I just want you to have grace and hope. I want you to not have guilt and shame today, but grace and hope for tomorrow. That you can share the good news of Jesus. And sometimes it is so simple as just saying, can I pray for you? Can I hug you? Can I tell you of someone who loves you more than you've ever imagined? Can you do that? Tomorrow's Valentine's Day, and you can start, you know, just with someone that you love and care about. And then buy, you know, something nice for them or whatever. But uh, no, <laughs> I'm off track. I was just reminding myself, I do need to get something, right? right yeah, yeah, it's tomorrow, guys. <laughs> tomorrow. Just a, just a reminder. But anyways, where where was I? Oh, yeah, Jesus is love. Uh, yeah, Whatever. We are a light in the darkness. We are a light in the darkness. And then uh, as we uh, just we will jump down a little bit. So do not be afraid of them in verse 26. For there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who will kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. All are not two sparrows sold for a penny. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I've been... Comforted by uh, something that I read this week from N. T. Wright. In light of this uh, verse 28. Verse 28 is um, 28 and 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall from the ground outside of your father's care? He said, There is nothing too great for God, and there is nothing too small, so small for him to care. When we think about the sparrows and you think about the hairs on your head, you know some of you have lost a lot of them, and God's counted every one of those that left. You know some of you He was busy with, and others not so much. That's a bald joke, Ricky. Uh, and the uh, that was all a setup for that, right? No, no. The uh, but if you if you consider what Jesus is communicating. And just let it rest in your heart. There is nothing too great for God, and there's nothing so small for him to care. And when you think about that, that the magnificent God that he is, the creator of heavens and earth, cares about sparrows, even though they are next to uh, nothing in their value, in the marketplace of the world and the marketplace of God's heart they have eternal value and friends I think that's the message I think it's the message to the world that we have a God who is so great that is nothing beyond his abilities or His strength or his power or his authority but that he also cares about you and it's interesting to me how this whole passage starts in the proclamation of the kingdom, of healing the sick, of driving out demons, of raising the dead, how the passage closes is about acknowledging Jesus. But then it boils down to this very simple message in verse 40. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. The gospel is spread one cup of water at a time. It's blessing. It's encouraging. It's hospitality. It's welcoming. It's loving. It's caring. It's letting people know that for our God, there is nothing too great for him, and there is nothing so small that he doesn't care about. And if we would help people know that, that the world is, uh, that they are not as lonely as they may think that they are. That there is a God right there with him who cares deeply for them. That they are not so far from God. Whatever their past, and whatever their story, whatever hardship. Maybe that needs to be directed towards you. You're not as alone as you may feel. And you're not as far from God as you once thought you were. But He's drawn near to you. And he loves you and he laid down his life for you. And you have life in him. So my encouragement to you today is to share a cup of water, to welcome and love and encourage. My encouragement to you today is to know that Jesus is near and he loves and cares for you deeply. Let's pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out more harvesters and let us know today that he might call us be the, to be the answer to that prayer. So let's travel lightly. Let's be a light in the darkness. And let's not be afraid because there is a God who loves us and cares deeply for us. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Thank you for today. Time together to laugh, time together to learn and be encouraged. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace today. And Wherever uh, the uh, Spirit has led this to be heard on the hearts of us this morning, Lord, we pray for conviction. We pray for uh, repentance. We pray for grace and mercy. And may uh, this week, Lord, we pray for harvesters. We pray for workers in the field. We pray, God, that more people would go. Lord, so impress upon our hearts today someone who needs to hear about you help us this week to share good news and God if it's necessary let's give them water and blessing if it's uh, if it's something bigger God of a sin that needs your grace and your spirit to work if it's healing let it be healing God, let us know that we go with you That you go with us and you go before us. And so we open our hearts to you today, God, that we would travel a little lighter in this world, that we would be a light in the darkness, and that we